today we're going to be talking about that we are a people that is filled uh, with the Spirit. Um, it's one of the the hot topics in churches today, really, is are the gifts of the Spirit for today? Or are they, they not for the today? Are they just for the apostles, the early church? Or um, There's a lot of, of, of uh, discussion about that in the church. And uh, we believe that the Scripture is clear that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. We're a church that, that believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's not to say that churches who don't believe that, that we hate them or we're mad at them or, or we don't like them, because the truth is, is that uh, God loves them just the same. So do we. We can still work together. This, this kind of topic is not something that should divide the church. But we're going to teach what we believe the Word of God says, and, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. That's, that's who we are as a church. We're a people that, that are filled with the Holy Spirit. So a couple points that I want to bring out. Uh, one, it is subsequent to salvation. Salvation happens first. Salvation is the Holy Spirit in you. When you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit uh, at that moment. But being filled is is uh, the a good way to describe would be the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Uh, some refer to it as being filled with the Spirit. You may have heard it as being uh, baptized in the Spirit. But what this is 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 when the Spirit has been poured out on you or has fallen upon you. So today we're going to take a look at well, what does this all even mean? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do we get baptized in the Spirit? How do we know that we have been baptized in the Spirit? And what is the purpose for it? Um, Because the thing is, when we're filled with the Spirit, we receive and may operate in His gifts. So we want to talk about what that looks like. And then I also want to talk about that there there was a time that uh, the person on stage was the person who operated in the Spirit. There was a time when, you know, the pastor up front, the speaker, whoever was up front was the one who operated in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the truth is, is that uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't relegated to just the figurehead of the church. These gifts are for the church. They're to give us power. They're to make us effective administering the gospel and making an impact in the community around us. And the the Bible says that we're to desire them, even the greater gifts, we're to desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as, as a church, I pray that each and every one of us will make that step in faith and begin moving and operating in the gifts of the, op- of the, of the Holy Spirit. I pray that we would all operate in that. So let's go ahead and get started on our first verse today. And it is 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Also, I want to remind you guys, as, as I'm ministering this morning, don't be afraid to be in the comments saying amen, hallelujah, uh, I disagree, you're ugly, whatever you want to say, put it in there. Um, go ahead and speak your mind. It's okay. This is a time when we can interact. The good news is you're not going to interrupt anybody by being loud, um, but we can talk to one another and we can encourage one another. And then there's the side benefit that the more that we are active in the chat and, and stuff going on, uh, the more Facebook thinks that this content is important and it's going to, uh, Facebook's going to sh- show it to more people. So I would encourage you to do all those things I said, except for the, the part about me being ugly, because as you know, it's a sin to lie. So you don't want to go ahead and say something like that, but uh, we'll go ahead and, and, and be active in the, in the chat so that way we can make an impact, uh, f- a greater sphere of influence than we could otherwise. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. It says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
Notice it says to each, not to just some. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one in the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You want to know what's crazy? This list isn't even exhaustive. This isn't all of them. This is what it says in Romans twelve six through 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service, that's a new one. In our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity. Did you know that, that uh, uh, being generous can be a gift of the Holy Spirit? The one who leads with zeal and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You know, the, the, there are so many gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit moving through you to do something you couldn't do on your own. And one thing we notice is that, that gifts are always for the common good. The gifts are for building up the church. And the truth is, is that not everyone will operate in every gift and operating in a gift does not make you greater than someone else. This is something I want to make real clear. You being able to operate in the gift of the Holy Spirit is not a reflection of you, but it's a reflection of God in you because you're not doing it. It's God doing it. It's the Holy Spirit moving in you. So we have to understand that it's God's power working in us and it has, says nothing to do with us. If you have a, a specific gift in the Holy Spirit and you operate in it, it doesn't mean that you're better than some other Christian who doesn't. But that's God in you that's moving. That's God that should get the glory. And you're given it for a purpose, which is to build up and strengthen the church. And I've also heard, I don't know if you guys have heard this said, but I've, I've heard it said that everyone has one gift. Everyone's been given a gift. But the thing is, is I think the scripture makes it clear that we can have more than one gift as well. We're not limited to one gift, uh, but that we can have more. And as a matter of fact, the Bible makes it clear that we're supposed to desire the gifts and even the greater gifts. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 31. It says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. Paul says that we should be desiring the higher gifts. What are those? Prophecy, stuff like that, the stuff that's going to edify and build up the church. He says, he says desire those greater gifts. So the question is, is that if we're talking about desiring this gifts, like what is this, this baptism of the Holy Spirit? Pastor Wayne, I don't even know what you're talking about. This seems kind of weird, kind of crazy. I just pulled a Joseph knocking the, the microphone around. Uh-oh. John twenty nineteen through 22 says this. <clears throat> On that evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And then he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So what I want to talk to you about today is what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how is it different than receiving the Holy Spirit? So this, this passage of scripture right here in John uh, 20, 19-22 is talking about, uh, this is after Jesus has been crucified. He has 
returned. He's, he's, he's risen again, but he hasn't yet ascended to the Father. So this is that time period when he is walking uh, on earth before he ascends to heaven. He's, he's making himself visible to the other disciples. He's speaking to them. And what happens here, as you can see, in, in verse 20, 21, he says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. You see there, this is salvation. When we receive the Holy Spirit, when you, when you uh, receive that free gift of salvation, when you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, at that moment you receive the Holy Spirit and you are saved. Every saved person has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Every single person that's ever said yes, there's not some that do and some that don't. Every single person that's ever said yes to Jesus has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And this is when it happened for them. God, God, the, the, when this picture here is an amazing picture because Jesus breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. At that moment, they had a brand new life, a new spirit inside of them. And it's the same picture that when God breathed into Adam, at that moment, Adam came alive and he had no past he was brand new. He had no baggage. He had nothing pulling him down. He's, he was a grown man with no history, no sin, no failings, no fallings, none of that stuff. And that's the picture that we see here when Jesus breathed on them. They were made brand new. They no longer had a past because the old man had died and they were a new creation. Second Corinthians 5.17, they were a new creation at that very moment. Jesus did the same thing that the father did when he breathed into Adam. But I want to make it clear that this is salvation. But there is a, a subsequent act of salvation where it's the Holy Spirit coming upon you or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we can read about that as we move forward. In Acts 1, 3 through 5, it says, He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. This is after he had risen from the dead, but he had not yet ascended. And while staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now we're seeing that there's a difference. So you remember that when Jesus was still here in that 40 days that he, he walked the earth before he ascended, but not, he was already risen, but not yet ascended, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. But now we have something else that's coming. He tells them to, to not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which is going to be them baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's the difference. One is the Holy Spirit in you, and Jesus breathed life into you. You have a new spirit inside of you. You're saved versus the being baptized or, or the Holy Spirit coming upon you. You've got to remember the picture of baptized is to be whelmed in something. It's uh, When we're talking about water, it's to put something completely submerged in the water. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's when we are completely submerged in the Holy Spirit as he comes upon us. And he's speaking of a time after he breathed on them. Uh, because this baptism actually happens after that, that time, after he ascends. And then he says here, this is the promise of the Father. When he's talking about the promise of the Father, you can read about that in Luke 24, 49. He says, Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This promise, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, is supposed to give the disciples power from on high. And the, the reality is, is that this, this happens after Jesus already ascended. So it has to be a separate event because the first event, Jesus was still 40 days on the earth. 
before he ascended. But this event that he's talking about here is on the day of Pentecost after Jesus had already ascended to heaven. It's a separate event. And we can read about here in Acts 2, 1 through 4, it says when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Jesus had already ascended. Now they're going up to the, the upper room and they're, they're, they're having Pente- uh, during, the, during Pentecost. They're all together in one place. And it says, and suddenly, verse 2, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why I say that it's filled or baptized. It's the same thing. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is what Jesus was talking about. He said, go, and, and, and the, the promise of the Father is going to come upon you. You're going to be baptized. And it's interesting is this, this day that this happened on the day of Pentecost was the same day that the law was given. But these, these disciples that are up there, they, they're already saved. They've already received the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that to him when he breathed on him. He said, receive it. They had already received the Holy Spirit. And then it says that there was tongues of fire that rested upon them as they were, they were filled. And we're also going to find out as we, read, uh, as we read their scripture that they're filled multiple times. The truth is, is we don't just get filled with the Spirit just once or baptized in the Spirit just once. It, it, we are continually filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. Some have joked it's because we leak. But salvation is a one-time thing. You receive the Holy Spirit once, but you're filled with the Holy Spirit multiple times. And then it hears that they, they begin to speak in others' tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This must have been an amazing sight because it says others were hearing them in their own language. And that's something that's important to notice when we read the scripture and we finish out the story. It says they were hearing them in their own language. It doesn't say they were speaking in other languages. Here it says they were speaking in other tongues. But everybody else was hearing them in our own language. That means when Peter was speaking, one guy was hearing him in his language and the other guy was hearing him in his language. So how is Peter speaking multiple languages at the same time? Matter of fact, we learned there was 13 different languages that were spoken on that day. But the other thing I want to to point out here, though, is is that it wasn't like that they were they were uh, some sort of. Of, of holy puppet you know god wasn't wasn't pulling the strings as like a little marionette the, the 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 spirit of fire the fire fell upon them and it says they began to speak in other tongues see the reality is church is that if you want to operate in the gifts of the holy spirit then you have to step out if you want to speak in tongues you have to start speaking it's not like in the the movie the avatar when you would the eyes would roll back in his head and you would they would start to glow because that's the thing is God's not going to force you to do anything. You have to make a choice to speak. It says that they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit's not going to move your mouth for you. The Holy Spirit's not going to, to move your mouth for you to prophesy. He's not going to move your mouth for you to speak in tongues or to speak words of wisdom. He's not going to open your wallet for you to, to operate in the gift of generosity. He's not going to open your mouth for you and make you do things so that you can operate in the gift of exhortation. He's not. The, the, we have to make a choice to do these things as the Holy Spirit moves through us. Now, when this, this thing happened here... Uh, they begin to think that, that that Peter and the people with him were crazy. This is what it says in Acts two sixteen through twenty one because they were speaking in other tongues and he had to give a rebuttal because they said that that they were drunk. It makes me wonder how would people think that they were drunk and just babbling and muttering if they were speaking legitimate languages, but they weren't. They were speaking in tongues and people were hearing them 
and their other languages. So Acts 2, 16 through 21 says, But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. What flesh? All flesh, not just some people. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. The reason why the old men dream dreams is because they're always asleep. And then in verse 18, even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show them wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, this is Peter's rebuttal to them saying that he was drunk. He actually says, we're not drunk, it's only 9 a.m. But what is happening is what Joel prophesied. And Joel prophesied that God would pour out his spirit on all men, not just some, but every single one of us, the spirit of God would be poured out upon us. And this is amazing because Joel was written between 1900 B.C. and 400 B.C. But he prophesied about something that would happen on the day of Pentecost and that would still be happening today. It's before the day of the Lord comes. And by this power that God puts upon us, many things would take place. And just in this portion here, he talks about prophecy and visions and dreams and signs as the Holy Spirit comes upon us and works through us to build up the church, to edify his people. And then once again, just as something I want to point out is that Uh, salvation is not just for the few, but salvation is for everyone as well. In verse 21, it shall come to pass that everyone, not only some people who call on him, but everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The reality is, is that the purpose of these gifts is to empower us to reach the lost so that they would call on the name of the Lord, just like it talks about in verse 21. God has given us power to be able to reach people so that they would call upon the name of the Lord and that they would be saved. That's the purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is to build up the church, to reach the lost, not for our own glorification, but to glorify God. Luke chapter 11, verses 11, 13 talks about... uh, God being a good father. And if we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, how he'll give it to us. Verse 11 says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who asks of him? What makes a good father? You know, something I think about a lot because I want to be a good father. But what makes a good father is that he's loving, he's reliable, he's honest, he provides, he disciplines. And that's the thing is, is a good father provides everything that you need. And what would make a bad father? You know, it'd be just the opposite. A bad father would be what he's talking about here. If your son asks for a fish for food, you give him something that would kill him instead. That would be a bad father. But the thing is, is that one of the questions you might be asking if I, as I go through this is, how do we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? It's simple. We ask. We ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We pray and we ask God. And God is a good father. 
When we ask God to be to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he's, he's not going to give you something in return. He's not going to give you something fake in return. He's not going to hold back these good gifts for you. And you might ask, well, is it, is it overstepping to ask for them? Well, one, we see here that, that if we ask, he'll give them to us. But Paul said to desire even the greater gifts, the, the higher gifts. So if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you'd like to, the first step is you begin to ask. And just like everything, as a Christian, we receive these gifts by faith. We operate in these gifts by faith. We trust God and his word is true. He says, if you then are evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's as simple as asking, and God is faithful. But then you might ask, well, is it really for me? Are you sure it's not just for some people, the super spiritual among us, or maybe it's just for the apostles, or it was just for the early church? This is what it says in Acts 2, 38 through 39. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for your forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. You see, the gift of the Holy Spirit belongs to everybody. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are fall off. Far off, that, that, that includes you. You're included in this, this genealogy. The, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you. He says, repent and be baptized. You know, we look at baptism here and, and baptism to, to the early church was kind of like we do an altar call here. They, they didn't say, you know, whoever wants to receive the, the Lord raised their hand and they prayed for him. They just brought him up if they said yes and they baptized him. Baptized him right then. It was, it was the picture of what had been accomplished. They, they, they were dead and they were buried and they rose again in newness of life. That's why we do baptisms today because it's that picture of what has been accomplished inside of you. And he says, repent. That's important. You have to turn away from your old sin and be baptized. Everyone in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then afterwards, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we already saw last verse that if we want that, if we're saved, we've been, we repent, we're baptized, we're saved, and we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, then he'll give it to us. And it's for every single one of us. And it's for as many as whom the Lord God calls to himself. Was well, that only a certain amount of people or only some people that God has called? Well, as many as God will call includes everyone. This is what it says in Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Salvation is for everybody. And once you're saved, you can ask for that gift of the Holy Spirit. John 12, 32. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people for myself. This was Jesus speaking about when he was to die, he was going to be raised on a cross and he was going to, he was going to draw how many people? Just some of the people? No, but he's going to draw all people towards him. So salvation is for everybody and so is the gift of the Holy Spirit. But some have argued, well, isn't it just for the apostles? I've heard that said that the gifts of the Spirit, they're not around today because they were, they were just for the apostles to build the early church. In Acts eleven fifteen through 17, it says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then God, who gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Who was I that I could stand in God's way? To the apostles and the brethren in Jerusalem, Peter is giving his defense of why he was associating with the household of Cornelius. He was a Roman soldier. He was a Gentile. Certainly was an apostle. He wasn't even a Jew. He was a Gentile. And they, they were complaining that, that, hey, Peter, why did you go to the uncircumcised? Why were you going to the Gentiles? And he explained the vision that he had. If you remember, he had that vision of the sheet coming down from heaven and the unclean animals on it. And God says, get up, kill, and eat. And he said, I've never had anything unclean, Lord. I couldn't. And he says, whatever I consider clean, you don't call unclean. You remember that story. And Peter recognized that, that God was talking about the Gentiles. But it says that, the, that, that they, they believed and this gift comes after believing because as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as us in the beginning. They had received Jesus. They had got saved. And then the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And it's interesting is, is how did Peter know that the Holy Spirit fell upon them? But you're going to see that they, he knew that because they began speaking in other tongues. That was the evidence the Holy Spirit actually had fallen upon them. But he says, hey, they, they, they got saved. They believed. And then as Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. It was, like I said, it's subsequent to salvation. And Peter said, if God gave them the same gift, how could I deny baptism for them? This is another interesting point. It's a side note. I won't go into detail, but there are many that have claimed that if you're not baptized, then you're not saved. Well, if these, these folks weren't baptized yet, but they were obviously saved because they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They couldn't receive the gift of the Holy Spirit if they weren't saved, if they didn't have uh, the Spirit living inside of them. And then he says, how could I withhold baptism for them? So they finally baptized them to, to give that outward representation of what had been accomplished internally inside of them. And the thing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, though, is that you do have to receive them. And Acts 19.6 says, When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit come upon them, and they begin speaking in tongues and prophesied. Once again, we hear about Paul laying his hands, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And his laying of his hands is the reason why when, we, when, when we're together and, and we ask if people haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, we bring them up and we lay hands on them and pray them, because that laying of hands is a, is a, is a point to release faith. Because the Holy Spirit is received with faith. And when the Holy Spirit is received, the gifts of the Spirit are able to be manifest. And we see here that, that the Holy Spirit came upon them. And what happened? They began speaking in other tongues and prophesying. Acts eight fourteen through 17 is another one. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So here, once again, we see that difference of salvation in receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit because they had already received the word of God. They had already received that word. They were already saved. And then Peter went down. Uh, <clears throat> they sent Peter and John down to pray for them. They might receive the Holy Spirit, that gift of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You see, Philip had been preaching in Samaria for a long time already. And many had believed already, and many had been baptized. And when Peter and John got there, they hadn't even heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. But they were already saved. They had already received the word of God. And matter of fact, if you keep reading this story right here, we see that Simon says that he saw that the laying of hands resulted in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about that. How could Simon have saw that? How could Simon have saw that they the that the laying of hands resulted in the baptism 
of the Holy Spirit. And that's where we're going to find where, where almost every time that the Bible mentions uh, the Holy Spirit coming upon people, it mentions them speaking in tongues. That's why we believe that speaking in tongues is, is the, the first gift that every believer can receive in the Holy Spirit. The ability to, to pray in tongues, to speak to God in tongues. And I'm not talking about uh, addressing the church. That is discussed in 1 Corinthians when we address the church in tongues, not personal prayer. But when we address the church in tongues, the, Paul says we need to have an interpreter. But when we're just praying to God, when we're speaking in tongues to God and not addressing the church, there's no interpreter needed because the Bible says that when we, when we do that, that our, our body isn't edified, but our spirit is edified. And the Holy Spirit gives us things to say. But we are going to see, though, that the, the, the evidence, what Simon saw, was them speaking in tongues. Acts, 8, 4, uh, sorry, Acts 10, uh, 44 through 47 says, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles not just for the apostles, not just for the early church, it was for the Gentiles and everybody going forward. In verse uh, 40, 45, or sorry, 46, it says, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. So let's go back and read that as one sentence there. Did you click off the... Uh, this? Can you put it back to verse 40, uh, 45? There we go. It says, And while the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And how do they know that? Verse 46, For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? This is that story we were talking about earlier. How do they know that the gift of the Holy Spirit came upon them? He saw them speaking in tongues. And evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is almost always talked about of them speaking in tongues. While Peter was speaking, the Gentiles, Cornelius and his household, believed, and then the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And then the circumcised believers, i.e. the Jewish believers, uh, they did that. How do they know they were baptized in the Spirit? Because they were speaking in tongues. In nearly all cases, in the book of Acts where the believers baptized in the Holy Spirit, we see them speaking in tongues. They begin speaking in tongues. Like I said, in, in the case of Simon, he saw evidence, but that evidence isn't specifically recorded, but he saw something. What did he see? I would say based on the other verses that we see, he saw them speaking in tongues. Acts 2.4 is another one. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 19.6, and when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. They began to speak in tongues. That was the evidence that they were, that they were, were receiving that gift. And like I said earlier, this isn't some sort of spiritual marionette thing that's going on, but you have to, to receive this gift by faith and begin to speak. You have to move your, your mouth. The, the gift of tongues versus any other gift isn't about God taking control of you, but instead you walking in faith and walking in what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you. You must speak. The Holy Spirit directs your words and it's done in faith. And that means we can, we can do it when we want. You can speak in tongues and pray in tongues whenever you would like. 
Because this is what the, the Bible says about other gifts. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. What's that mean? That means if God gives you a prophecy, then your eyes don't roll back in your head and you just spit it out right then. That means that you make a conscious decision when to share that. And you've seen that before. When people have given prophecy at our church, they get up there and they, they, they speak in front of the church. It's not just blurted out whenever, but the, their spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. It's same with every other gift which means that we can do it uh, when we want and we do it in faith and we do it by opening our mouth. And I know for me, my own personal experience with receiving the, the gift of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues for the first time, uh, it, was, it was a strange experience. And that's one thing too I want to make clear that speaking in tongues is weird. I think that when we try to pretend like it's just this normal thing, it, it gets weird. But the truth is, is that speaking in tongues is weird. It's If you've heard people doing it or praying in tongues, it probably caught you off guard at first, particularly in, in a day and age now where, where that just seems like craziness. But just because something is weird doesn't mean that it's not scriptural. I mean, think about that. Somebody being cured and healed from cancer is weird technically. It just doesn't happen. Medically, scientifically, it doesn't happen. Being cured from cancer just doesn't happen. That would be weird, but none of us would freak out about that. We would just be excited. So why is it this one particular gift that may be kind of weird, but it's biblical, it's scriptural, we get all weird about it? The truth is, is that if somebody were to to go ahead and, and uh, uh, prophesy something or had a word of wisdom for you and it came to pass, that would be kind of weird but it doesn't mean it's not scriptural. But I remember my own experience. I, I decided I was just going to serve God and, and someone laid hands on me and prayed and I began speaking in tongues and it was, it, it was, it was weird at first. And, and I, I remember that I wanted to keep doing it. So I would do it in faith and I would begin praying in faith and, and I remember for me, and I'm not saying this is for everybody, but I would just try to picture Jesus and I was praying to him. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I wasn't doing it in faith. And sometimes I was just making noise. But other times I would do it in faith and I would trust God and I would picture him and I would pray to him. And now I've experienced that Holy Spirit moving through me. And it's just because I made a decision that I was going to trust God and by faith receive this gift and begin speaking. And, I, and you have to do it in faith every single time. And praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit is another way that it's referred to as, as praying directly to God. 1 Corinthians 14.2, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. When we pray in tongues to our God, we're not going to understand it, but it's still going to edify our spirit. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14.14, uh, 14, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. It's about your spirit and operating in faith. And don't let what your feelings or what the world might be telling you make you miss out on an incredible gift of God because somehow you think it's weird. The truth is, 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 is being able to pray in tongues is awesome because the spirit gives you utterance. You're going to pray things that you didn't even know you needed to pray for. It's an incredible gift. But church, we have to make a decision. Do we believe the word of God? Or do we believe how we feel or what other people might say? And when I teach this stuff, I encourage you, write these scriptures down. This is recorded. Go back through it. Don't just take my word for it. Read what the word of God says about these things. And the last thing that I want to talk about today is, are these gifts for today? 
Some people say it was only for the early church. Some people say it was it was only for the apostles, which we looked at. It obviously wasn't just for the apostles because we have Gentiles receiving it. But this is what it says in Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What was the power given to us? To build the church so that we'd be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The end of the earth hasn't received the gospel. Everybody hasn't had the opportunity. And the Holy Spirit gives us power to reach the lost. Do we still need that power today? Do we still need that ability today to be able to reach the lost? We certainly haven't reached the end of the earth. If we had, Jesus would be coming back by now. But Christianity without the gifts of the Holy Spirit is a shell of its true identity. You can be and you are saved without receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. But why would you want to limit God's ability to work and his power to work inside of you? Like I said, the gifts of the Spirit are to edify the church and to build the church and to reach the lost. Do we still need to do those things today? Do we still need to to reach the lost today? Do we still need his power today? Because truthfully, uh, things are starting to look bad in many different areas. I think we still do need his power. I still think we need him to to impact a lost and dying world, a world that is more and more every single day rejecting him. Because we can't do it on our own. We need his power. And this power is so that we can become an effective witness in Jerusalem, which is your local community, Judea and Samaria, that's your, your region, your area. You can think of that as your state or your country. And to the end of the earth which is everywhere. We need that power. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and and bow our head. First, I want to give an opportunity for anybody that has not received salvation. You've never said, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Anybody that's not right with God and they know it, they know that there's something missing. The truth is, is that every single one of us have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And there's nothing that we can do to make up for it. There's nothing that we can do to make us right with God. You can never tip the balance in your favor. You can never do enough good to outweigh the bad. But the great news is is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to give his life for you, to pay the penalty for you. God stepped down off his throne, came to earth as a man, and he gave his life for you because he loved you that much so that you could be right with him. So if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to go ahead and and just say this prayer with me right now. I'm going to pray. You just stand in agreement. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you loved me so much that you sent your son to give his life for me. He died the death that I should have died. He paid the penalty that I should have paid. But because he did, I now can have a new life. Father, I receive this free gift of salvation. Father, come inside of me and make me brand new. And I thank you that because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, I am brand new. I am born again. And I call you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If that was you today, if this is the first time that you've ever said that prayer, I want you to reach out. You can do it in the chat. You can say that... uh, 
uh, hey, I just I just said that prayer. I just got saved. We want to pray with you. You can email me directly, Pastor Wayne at livinghopemarana.org. You can email the church information information at livinghopemarana.church, and I'll be able to get that. One of the leaders will be able to get that. We just want to pray with you. The other thing I want to give the opportunity now is we just learned if you've never been um, if you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit, if you've never been baptized or filled in the Holy Spirit, and you would like to do that. As we learned today, you just have to ask. And just like Paul, we want to pray with you. He laid hands on them and they received the free gift or they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. The the Holy Spirit came upon them. We want to pray with you too. So if you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit and you would like to, go ahead and do the same thing. Put it in the chat and we'll have one of our leaders, Pastor Joseph uh, or myself or or, uh, John or someone will reach out to you. We'll pray with you. Uh, so that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, or like I said, go ahead and email me or email uh, information. And we just want to pray with you because this is a, a something that that has been given to you. You just have to receive this gift and operate in it by faith. So go ahead and uh, reach out to us. We'd love to pray with you for that.